Welcome to Nice Work, a podcast of the Super Nice Club, where we are just trying to make the world 10% nicer by every means necessary. I'm your host, Todd Brilliant, and today I'm joined by the founder of Caddis Eye Appliances, the one and only Tim Parr. You might not know it, but you've seen Caddis Eye glasses around. Yeah, they're those cool, fun reading glasses that, you know, they don't really look like the generic ones you'd find at Rite Aid or the Stepford-looking ones you'd get at Warby Parker. I mean, sorry if you're wearing Warby Parkers, seriously. Uh, but the good news is, listen to this episode and you'll be excited about buying some replacements. Plus, you'll get a discount code, which is super nice. Uh, Tim, Tim is super interesting because Tim figured out that aging, well, uh, it's actually kind of rad. And he's kicked off what is known as the American Transglobal Anti-Anti-Aging Cult. That acronym is ATTACK which is a little bit awkward. Uh, and it also doesn't exist because he did not do that. But he is all about fighting back against the idea that aging is something we have to fight, that we have to be ashamed of aging. And he's also pushing back against this sort of incessant corralling of humans into tight generational frames. You know, Generation X, Y, Z, millennials. It's just kind of nonsense. And it certainly doesn't bring us together at a time when humanity really needs to tighten up Archie Bell reference there. Uh, and he did start a cult, but I'll let him explain that one himself. Uh, what do reading glasses have to do with all of this, with anti-anti-aging, uh, with generational divides? A lot, actually, uh, and pretty much nothing, actually. Same time. Isn't that fun? You'll understand. You'll understand, I promise. Just listen. Uh, okay, super nice club news time. Uh, you hear that, that, that extra pep in my voice? I bet you do. It's called coffee. Yeah, I just had a cup of coffee. Just one. That's all I get. It's all I permit myself. One a day, sometimes four, maybe five times a week because coffee is super nice. And, and Adderall can just really mess you up. But coffee, as nice as it is, can be even nicer. There's labor issues, environmental issues, all kinds of things that the industry is working on improving. Improving. Well, at least some people within the industry. And, and we want to help those people and those organizations do just that. So we made a simple but really cool, I think, shirt uh, and sweatshirt. Uh, both are unisexual. They like all the bathroom types. And they say in letters, yeah, coffee is super nice. Uh, and when you get yours right now, uh, just go ahead to the website, superniceclub.com and clickety-click. Uh, when you get yours, we're setting aside 30% of the profits from these shirts to for uh, the people and organizations who are doing the work to make coffee even nicer. Yeah, 30%. Good chunk. It's a good chunk. But it's a chunk called zero if you don't, you know, buy one for yourself and uh, for each and every one of your coworkers. Uh, what else? What else? Um, oh, we have badass new stickers and other new stuff. Just take a look at superniceclub.com. And let's see, if you, if you leave a note asking for a dinosaur tax card when you order stickers, I'll include one, I promise. They're from 1985, tops. They're weird, they're old, they're cool, random. What else, what else? Book clubs, book clubs are going strong. Check the site if you wanna join one. Um, and if you're, if you're not a member of the Super Nice Club, join us, find us on Instagram, Facebook, wherever, we're easy to find. Okay, let's do this. Turn off everything else, tune out the rest of the world, and drop in to nice work with Tim Parr. And a little teeny bit of Shelby Mead. Tim, Tim Parr, welcome to Nice Work. Thank you. So we usually start with the guests letting mm. listeners know where they're at. Uh, but you're here. I'm you're here. here in my house. So we know where you're at. I-R-L. Where do you live? Uh, Mill Valley, California. How long, how long have you lived in Mill Valley? Uh, almost 30 years now. So a bit. Long enough to uh, to be familiar with the song? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the Mill Valley song. Yeah. Right. You know, yep. Everybody who lives in Mill Valley should know that song. Yeah. It'll get stuck in my head for days. Okay, then there's there's also a Dave Grisman, either Tony Rice or Jerry Garcia song, I can't remember now, called The Mill Valley Waltz. Oh, really? Yeah, when Jerry and uh, Dave Grisman used to live together. They were roommates in uh, Mill Valley. Oh, okay. Well, maybe at the end of the podcast, you and I can sing the Mill Valley song together. Probably not. No? I'll yeah. do it in Spanish. <laughs> es mi hogar. 
<laughs> so you're in Mill Valley. You've been in there for 30 years. I lived for 15 years just north of you in Healdsburg. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, these are two North Bay towns that have changed a lot, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Which of them do you think, when I put you on the spot, retains more of its sort of original character? Mill Valley or Healdsburg? I can only say Healdsburg has retained it because I'm not there. Okay. So I just want to believe that it has. Uh, I would have said the opposite for right. the same reason. Right, because I know? just want to believe. Yeah. I just want to believe. And, and when I play the Mill Valley song and see the video, I'm like, oh, that plaza is still yeah, there. The plaza know? is still there. Yeah. Um, but it's, um, it's gotten really wealthy really quickly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's 10 minutes from San Francisco. It's got great schools. So that migration has been going on for 50 years. You know, right. people are in San Francisco, they get married, they have kids and they move as close as they can from the city, um, you know, without going too far. So it's short commute and it's, you know, right trails and trees and... And it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Mount Tam, hiking, totally. it's kind of yeah. got everything and it's cheap, you know, it's yeah. really affordable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, if you don't live in California, come to California. Yeah. Every not? square inch is affordable. Yeah. They're giving away houses in California, <laughs> especially here in Brentwood, Los Angeles. Exactly. Which is yeah. where we are. Which is where we are right now. Uh, what are you doing down here in LA? Oh, I have meetings with work. Okay. That's what I'm doing. Um, just doing collabs with some people. Um, Shelby pulls me everywhere and yells at me and that's part of my job is to be bold and yelled at who's who's this shelby person? shelby mead uh <laughs> she's our favorite person she's around here somewhere she is shelby say something there we go okay. shelby pretty much you know builds careers yeah. uh-huh yeah build stars she's a star maker mm-hmm. in la that's a that's a that's a big big yeah. gig it's a big gig lebron lives right down the road shelby lebron james he's like 400 400- no, I mean, I think he could use some help. I'm just saying. Yeah. Right. I think he's looking for a game of pickup. Yeah. So I think we should just get right into your, your current love affair, Caddis Eye Equipment. Yeah. Is that the full name of? No, it's Eye Appliances. Eye Appliances. But it's just, I blew it. It's, it's just Caddis. We'll get it. Okay, yeah. Caddis. Eye Appliances. Eye Appliances. Uh, what is it? When did you start? Why'd you do it? I mean, let's just rip through your story. Let's, All right. Like how I built this kind of thing. You've said it before, but we'll do it a little differently this time because I'll, I'll interrupt you a lot. Yeah, yeah. Go yeah. for it. Um, so LinkedIn says I started this eight or nine years ago, which is slightly frightening to my memory, but I believe that to be true. And we started selling product four years ago. Okay. So it was four years of, because um, this isn't my first business. So as you... As you build businesses, um, the, your, the amount of boxes that you need to check in order to do the next one mm-hmm. grows exponentially. Because <laughs> like, oh God, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to do it that way again. And I make sure that I have this in place and that in place. So the checklist was pretty long. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, we, it took me, f- I was working on it for four years before we brought a product to market. And I would bet that <clears throat> having all that, 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 uh, Runway, that pre-work yeah. increases your odds of success quite a bit in general. Yes, and it's amazing how frowned upon it was. Yeah, I saw that in an interview that you said you had 50 no's to every yes. Uh, yeah, at least. Wow. Yeah. So, no, it, you know, and that's pretty cliche. Yeah. You know, and but it's important to, to tell people, though, because yeah. anybody building a business like Super Nice Club or mm-hmm. any other one out there, it does take so much perseverance. Yeah. So much. And and along the way, each one of those no's can chip at you a little bit. Like, I don't know, maybe the idea is stupid. Maybe I was high. Maybe, you yeah. know, maybe the timing's wrong now. Maybe my, you know, vision was wrong. Maybe, 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 right? Totally. How did you, were there things that you did? Did you have people around you that, or was your vision just so crystal focused and, and you just knew it was right the whole time that you kept going? Uh, I, I knew the product part mm-hmm. was right. And I knew that this customer, there was a, there was a vacuum or what you want to call it, a white space on the product side. And like this part I find actually pretty interesting, like as far as the origin story goes. Right. Um, but there was a part of me that wasn't like full thrust because I was still touring as a musician and, you know, I was, I was doing other things. 
And, but, but it was so obvious that the product was missing within the marketplace. And, we, and I knew that, um, that we could get this product to market and we could propel it in a way that, uh, that we've done in the past as far as marketing things. Uh, but it wasn't enough. And, uh, and I came to this conclusion in hindsight. Okay. So this isn't something that I sat around and scratched okay. my chin about. And uh, like I almost had one foot in and the other one three quarters away. And like something was keeping me from being full game on, like gas down, like let's go, this is, this is on. And then it wasn't until I had a meeting where someone, this person like read the back of the packaging mm-hmm. and on the back of the packaging, there is this quote about aging that I just haphazardly, like in the 11th hour, I put this in, you know, it got printed on, we had five boxes and five pairs of glasses. We're talking prototypes here? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. Trying to raise some money, anything to, to bring this idea to market. Right. And she, you know, she, she got the, the point of view of the product, like everything's great, flips the box over and reads it and it's all quiet. She goes, well, what's this? I go, well, I'm just like, that whole like 60s and new 50, 50, like I just don't get it. And like, why can't, like I'm telling people just to be who they are because like that's a different point of view. And I just think it's, it's cooler to be like authentic in yourself. And like meeting was over at that point. Like, oh, really? Oh, yeah. Like, no. And literally told, no, you cannot do that. This was not a eureka moment. This was a... Okay, well, eureka's coming. Oh, okay. I think I was, I was thinking, oh, and, and she just lit up. Like, no. Oh, oh no. No. It was such the opposite of lit up. It was extinguish. <laughs> oh, okay. Meeting over, like, you can't do that. Yeah. And I was told everyone wants to believe that they're 15 years younger than they are. And boom, done. So I had my bike messenger bag, you know, I had my five boxes, you know, like, okay, hell, I pack it up, walk down the stairs. And then, and I don't believe in like aha moments, like, but then it hit me like, oh my God, like we just put the fear into this person about the subject matter that is taboo. And it's like, now I got something to push up against, which is like the fear of age within American culture. Right. And I just like in 10 seconds, like all the pieces fell into place. Okay. Now the glasses are a door prize. It's no longer about glasses. It's about aging and it's about a platform, not a product. And like, so everything just went right. Like, like in connect four, you know, when you pull the bottom out, it was like, like, like everything fell into place within seconds. And I was like, okay, now, now we're on to something. Now it's game on. And now we have something to punch up to and like get more punk rock about. Let's go tackle age. Tackling age. And you have, you've said um, it isn't authentic to be anti-aging, which I just love that. It isn't authentic to be anti-aging because how can you be anti what we normally, naturally, every single one of us does? Right. And ideally we do it well. And right up front on your website, it says, we're here to call out the whole fountain of youth illusion, industries that profit from the fear of getting older and the concept of aging gracefully. And yes, we sell reading glasses. Get older, own it. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing. And it's a line in the sand. Hard line. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's an important thing. You got to have you got to have a line in the sand at some point. Right? right. Plus, I think there are very few people who would read that. It might make them uncomfortable. Totally. But they're gonna agree with it. Because you're not going to win that fight. No, because the opposite is that you're dead. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, okay, so you had that moment. You're on your bike messenger bag. You have your five prototypes. You're like, ah, I've, I've got a platform. Mm-hmm. And then what was the next? Did you have your next pitch? Did you lead with this in your very next pitch? Yeah. I, <laughs> I was literally running down the street, like, and with, with the cell phone out, calling my my partners and like oh my god i got it like i got it yeah. like, we're not in the eyewear business we're into the business of changing minds of a big taboo subject which was age right and how old were you at this point 48 okay, i would so guess you're right on that cusp of 50 yeah 48 is. 49 and you're a gen x mm-hmm. guy and that's uh we're an interesting uh tiny 
little demographic. Yeah, sliver, we, we right? don't matter. No, but we're kind of <laughs> redefining aging in a way. Yeah. You know, what it looks like. Yeah. You know, it's, I remember coming up and, and you didn't see a guy over 50 wearing t-shirts, not very often, mm -hmm. or they were just some kind of like crusty bum loser. Right. right. Um, we're going to wear t-shirts until we're 90. Yeah. And it'll, they'll say Fugazi on the front mm -hmm. or whatever. Right. Right. Um, and it's not out of sloth or indolence or anything like that. It's out of pride. And this is who I am. This is what I like. It's what I've always liked. I don't need to wear polyester slacks mm -hmm. um, yep. unless I want to. And so I think that's a great thing. How did your next pitch go? Do you remember who it was with or maybe you can't name names because- No, yeah. um, maybe I do. It was with people that started to say yes, okay. actually. And it was people that those more of founders in uh, consumer products that, that they're like, ah, I get it. Because when, when I was pitching um, one of their, especially any type of institution, yeah. The main thing they would say is, oh, well, what about Warby Parker? But then the oh, Warby, right. you know, like, well, what, yeah, this is what Warby Parker does. Like, no, it's not. Like, that's a, you know, that's a younger, you know, position thing. It's prescription. We're self-diagnostic reading glasses. We're older. We're talking about it. And then, so there was a, most of them, like, just didn't get it. Right. 90-something percent of them didn't get it. And then there was one, like, my first large investor his main comment, I mean, that meeting was 30 minutes. He's like, I'm in. And then he's, his, he paused and said, well, why hasn't this happened yet? Mm. And I didn't have an answer. You know, uh, I don't know, but let's get going. You know? Right. Um, and it's still hard to really come up with the answer, right? Because when you look at the data, yeah. it shows that over 50 years, the, the vast bulk of the spending buck, uh, and they also uh, are not marketed to Nope. nearly as much right so there's a huge opportunity for a huge piece of the pie so like well why is it overlooked and maybe the answer is exactly what you encountered in the first meeting which is just whether you're a vc or a just you know somebody who's looking out to to get behind a brand as a as a, as a consumer you're kind of afraid of the aging thing right. right it's just fear you don't invest because you're afraid of what it means to put the money into that mm -hmm. right does that make sense totally makes sense and like to go back to your point of of investment over, what is it, one-third of, of Americans are over the age of 50 mm -hmm. at the moment. They control something like 83% of household income and 7% of consumer product marketing mm -hmm. goes to that 83% who spend it. Oh, wow. So, yeah, on, so only 7% of marketing dollars are, right. are directed towards the 83% of the spending power. That's just nuts. It's great. <laughs> yeah, I know. it's great for you. It's not so great for Warby Parker, who's got to spend a huge amount of money to, to, to differentiate, right? But it wasn't just in the marketplace. You were also told by a venture capitalist that ageism would be a hurdle for you at, at Yeah. right? And I give him, and I thank him for that, you know, because like he was dead honest. He said, you know, I don't get what you're doing, so I'm, I'm going to bow out. And, you know, usually you say, okay, is there anyone that you can put me in touch with that might get it? And he's like, no, and I'll tell you why. And he went, because it's like ageism runs rampant and the fact that you're not 25 or 30 years old is going to work against you. Because you don't have a hot new idea coming from a hot new generation kind of thing? No, it's that? age. Yeah, no, that's what I'm just you're, saying. You're right, basically yeah. just too old oh, okay. to know what's up. So that's going to be the, the underlying current with his network. Right. Um, so he told me straight up and, um, I mean, that was, that was a gift, mm -hmm. you know, for someone to tell me that. And did you find that to be true? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so then I, uh, shifted focus from institutional and just had, and I was taking small checks. So when we launched it, we launched a company with, I think we had $150,000 total. And that's, that's not a lot, folks. I mean, depending on where you're at, it, it is a lot of money that can help a lot of people in a lot of parts of the world. But when you're talking about prototyping and you're talking about uh, getting a product launch. Inventory. In, yeah, inventory and your headquarter in California, mm -hmm. it doesn't go very far. So you were super scrappy. Super scrappy. And were we, you carving your prototypes out of wood at night <laughs> by a kerosene no. lamp? No. But... Um, but we took that $150,000 and in the first year we flipped it, just kept on flipping it into a million bucks. So 
then we had traction, then we had proof of concept, which is something that I always tell people that um, if you can just get something going, you know, get out of that heady, you know, this is what I'm thinking mm-hmm. and show some proof that there's a market for your idea. It's really helpful. Did you start out initially with much of a line or did you focus like on one iconic design? I think four. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Four, four designs. And they were, I mean, your design is definitely one of your selling points. It's, it's strong. Yeah, it's a bold design. It, yeah. It's not, you know, for shrinking violets necessarily. Matter of fact, I'm going to do a shout out to one of our great members and a great friend, uh, Hans Bruner. Hi, Hans Bruner. Hans is, uh, was excited to hear that I'd be talking to you. He owns eight pair of your eye appliances. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also a big uh, John Fluvog fan. Oh, and nice. I think he has, I don't know, Hans, what do you have, 800 pairs of Fluvog? You have a lot of pair of Fluvogs. Do you find that common? Like the people who are into collecting, yeah. like they collect your frames? Yeah. For like every day of the week kind of thing? Um, I mean, Shelby will attest to this. We, we hear it every day. Okay. And like when before here, you know, we were up in Malibu and um, I think we heard it twice. You know, just as we're sitting at coffee, um, Chad Smith, Shelby wants to wants a name drop, but I'm not going to. <laughs> but okay, so I was told recently that Chad Smith, the drummer for the Red Hot Chili Peppers, collects your glasses. Well, his his wife is, is oh, okay. really. And he says, and he says they're all over the house, and like, and um, and then some. Some, I mean, people are coming like, oh yeah, I own four pair, I own five pair, I own seven, I own eight. Yeah. Um, that it, has to feel great. Yeah. Yeah. And it the does price feel points great. aren't such that people can't do that, right? Lot, I mean, so that, that's an interesting subject because it's, I, I view it as like a democratic luxury, you know, because right. in eyewear, like we're about a hundred bucks. We're right in there. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking at reading glasses, we came from, uh, and this was one of the complaints that when I was trying to raise money, you know, the competition's 10 bucks. Right. Okay. Fair point. Yeah. So people are like, well, who's going to pay a hundred dollars, you know, for something that they can get a 10 pack on, in the, on Amazon for $12. I hadn't thought of that. I mean, I haven't yeah. purchased a pair of reading glasses. So I didn't even think of what the price was. I was thinking more of sunglasses, which scare me because they can be, you know, $400 or something. Yeah. Like so there's a perception that we yeah. that we were about battling, you know, okay. about the current, uh, what the product should cost. Right. But your designs are such maybe that people are buying them also as a fashion accoutrement. Yeah. Right. So they are, you're kind of, what are you kind of in the middle there? Right. Yep. Yeah. But they're, they're a medical device, mm-hmm. which is also cool. So right. it, we're not, you know, we're selling things that people need. But you do sunglasses too, right? Sunglass readers. Right. Yeah. But they're sunglasses. Yeah. 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 Those are readers. Those are the progressive. Uh, yeah. I think I'm going to need some soon. My low light. Yeah. Sensitivity is starting to fall off. Yeah, you can tell when you're outside reading with sunglasses on and it becomes more difficult. Right. Yeah. Then you would need that little bump on the bottom of the lens. So if I can't see well when I'm reading at night and I need a book light, then readers will, will compensate for that, right? Yeah. I hadn't thought about that until just now. <laughs> I just thought I needed more light. <laughs> You know, it's been getting a brighter and brighter head torch, basically, (laughs) shining down and burning through the pages. Like, I can make it out now. All right. Looks like I, you know, I'm going to be a customer. (laughs) There you go. So, folks, if you're in the same boat that I'm in, you might want to go to Caddis. Well, the the link will be in the the show notes, folks. You can click on there. Um, Did you have a a leap of faith moment in this that you can remember? Like this moment where you're like, I don't know, but I'm going for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was in a bluegrass band and we were touring around. What was the band name? Uh, One Grass, Two Grass. Is it still around? Uh, yeah. It, 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 it's in a, a certain form, I think. Find it on Spotify? Yeah. Apple Music? One yeah. Grass, Two Grass. Okay. <laughs> um, so I was, so for the years before we actually launched, I was, you know, doing all this homework on it. And a friend of mine was in town and he was, he's been CEO of a lot of different action sports brands. And- okay. Um, we're out at dinner and he looks at me and goes, where, where are you at with this whole like reading glass idea? And he goes, ah, and then I give him like, oh, this is where I'm at with this and this is where I'm at with that. And he looks, he's shaking his head. He's like, that, that's bullshit. He goes, either you start this tomorrow, like really start it or I'm going to do it. <laughs> Which he was, he wouldn't. But he, the point, point taken. Right. And then I went home to my wife and 
because you know it takes it's a team effort for sure of course startups and i said look this is what he said and i trust what he says and i think i think it's a good time and she was like okay go and you had a track record at that point <clears throat> you used to have a bike company swobo swobo yeah right so you've been through this You'd been through other leaps of faith yeah. and, and pretty much stuck the landing more or less, right? Yeah. It depends on who you ask. Um, you know, Swobo was designed to change the way people think about cycling, cycling apparel. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, we did well in success. Right. But like financially, it was, it was a mess. And, nah. You did kind of a Steve Jobs with that one. You, you left yeah. the back. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's probably less uh, less grandeur examples. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. It's just the one that everybody gets. Right? Yeah, totally. So you left, you came back, <clears throat> and uh, you learned a lot of lessons. Yeah, and, and then, then sold you, it. Um, any truth to the rumors that Luxottica is going to purchase you for $400 million? <laughs> uh, none that I've heard. No, okay. Right. <laughs> no, I was just putting it out there. So if it happens at four hundred. <laughs> Just remember your friends at Super Nice. Right. (laughs) Deal. Um, So you're going to be doing some cool stuff coming up, right? I hear you're going to do uh, launch a made-to-order. Yeah. So what does that look like? So made-to-order glasses. uh, Yeah. So you can pick whatever lens that you can concoct in your head. Which is, um, do you want a full magnification? Do you want a progressive lens? Do you want a, a a full sunglass? Do you want a full sunglass with a magnification? Do you want full sunglass with progressive? Mm-hmm. Um, on the clear lenses, do you want like a pink tint? Do you want a green tint? You know, for like a more fashion thing. Right. Um, so you can read, there's all these variables that you can do. So people can just kind of build. What about the words on top? Not yet. Oh, okay. <clears throat> I was thinking, you know, I need some like some rose colored glasses that say super nice yeah top, right okay you well know? those those we can make you that would be cool right <laughs> like some, some, looking at the world through some nice yeah. color i can only imagine the editing we would have to do <laughs> you know it's almost like the nike id right right, right. <laughs> i used to do those with um adidas had shoes that you could you could create any combo i have some crazy ones uh-huh. in my shoe uh, collection <clears throat> Uh, but I put like all my heroes. So like I did a pair that said Lenny Bruce. Oh, cool. I, think I had a Steve Martin pair. I had a Richard Pryor. You mm-hmm. know, I just put the names of these people. And then as I would sit at my computer and just I would think, oh, you know, what would, you know, Richard Pryor. So these were these all red. I don't know if you knew his career, but he used these really bright red shoes. Yeah. You know, so the made to order stuff can be really fun. Yeah. Because you're doing your own thing. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, so that launches in April. That actually launches. Uh, no, next month. Next month? February? Yeah, February. Why did I say April? Well, that's when we're going to do um, April is prescription. So people are going to be oh. able to put their prescriptions into the website and, and we're going to be able to do uh, prescription glasses. Oh, really? Which we currently don't. That's a big thing. Yeah. Are you doing those yourselves? You have a partner in that? Or we have partners it? in that. Yeah. Okay. So that's going to open you up to a whole big new mm-hmm. can of fun. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so you know, it's we're, we're still working on it and crafting it and with the idea and the positioning and all that. But um, people like what we do. Yeah. So uh, we, every day we get phone calls like, "Yeah, I need prescription. I need prescription." So there's a joie de vivre to certain <clears throat> brands, which is why we get behind them, mm-hmm. right? There's a thing. There's an ethos. You used to work at one of my all-time favorites, uh, model for Super Nice Club, certain programs in the future, Patagonia. Sure. Um, but when you find these companies and you go to your site and you do this artist program, mm-hmm. right? You have a, what, 10 artists or more on there yeah. that are working. Are they working on the cases? Is that pretty much? Uh, yeah, they either work on cases. They've done glasses. Right. Um, it's all over the map. Right. And yeah. so when you find those brands that just feel good, yeah, of course, you want to get behind it. Like, yeah. That's who I want to hang out with. That's Man, who I want to represent. You know, it, and you're doing that really well. Thank you. Thank you. And it, it's, it's brand matters, you know, mm-hmm. um, which is why I had that one foot out because I didn't have that. Why? Mm-hmm. You're like, why are we doing this? Right. It's like, who cares? Just another glasses company, yeah. right? Like, do we need more glasses no, in the world? Don't. Right. We that don't. kind of thing. But, yeah. but we do need a company to stand up and wave a flag about how we think about aging in this culture. Amen. So when it became not a brand, mm-hmm. but a platform, 
game you on. You fired like, up. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. All like the spidey senses were going ballistic. Oh, I, re- I, I mean, <laughs> I do really relate to that, you know, because it was my big hesitation before about a year and a half ago before I really jumped into Super Nice Club. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, does the world need more shirts and hats with some stupid slogan on there? Like, yeah, you know, life is good. It's like, no, I'm not interested in that at all. You know, the merch part was my very least favorite part. But really realizing that people wanted to get behind the idea of making the world nicer yeah. by any means necessary. And the merch timing was, was just, good on that, by the way. Was there, was there any, you know, mm-hmm. the, their merch was their way of just like saying to each other, I'm part of this thing, mm-hmm. right? It was not necessarily incidental because obviously sales drive your ability to do good in the world. Yep. That's just the, that's the world we live in, yep. right? But I really realized that, because I was very hesitant, I thought people would think it was inauthentic. Because mm-hmm. there's so many sort of kindness and niceness things out there, right? There's just a bunch. There's coffee shops that are, you know, branded on being kind and stuff. And finally realizing that you can do this in a way that people believe, I, you know, not to make it about age, but our gen, the whole Gen X crowd, we're pretty cynical. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's how we're labeled and it's kind of accurate. It's kind of what we went through in the States, you know, how we grew up. And so we are very like, we grew up listening to music and then your band gets signed to a label. Like, oh, you sellouts, man. You still listen to that band? They just got signed, Uh, you know, Warner Brothers. Like, yeah, but Jane's Edition's cool. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever the thing was at the time. And so I think that's a a hurdle for some of us, for sure, when it comes to launching a business. Like, we don't want to be seen as doing it for no reason. Right. Right? Um, We're jaded like that. Well, I mean, we, I think it was our generation that really solidified size as the enemy of cool, you know, when it came to capitalism. We also grew up with like, and I love them. Were you, you were a skater? Yeah. Yeah. Like the skate shirts, you know, nothing is cool. And like, they were very cynical. Um, And you were buying these cynical brands, Mm -hmm. but they were, they were kids making the brands. A lot of them, you know, Mm -hmm. when you look back. So we're the ones who kind of we're doused in this stuff. Right. And you know, now we're doing some, some, uh, sales of our own. And like, I, I can tell, you know, when I go to your site, I'm like, Oh, that's, that's legit. This is, this is a real thing. It's, it's a not, point of view. Yeah, yeah. So well done on that. Thanks. Um, also just before we forget so that Shelby doesn't get mad at me. Um, <laughs> right in, I was like, Shoot. yeah, yeah. Uh, you have a Nola frame. What's I that do. All about? I do. Uh, so we did a, a shoot, and we're going to do more shoots down in New Orleans. Um, it's a NOLA frame. Across the top is the cord- It's um, the longitude and latitude of the Jazz Preservation Hall. Which, oh, cool. Which uh, this is the first time that they'll be hearing <laughs> that it's actually on there. And this dovetails into a uh, – we actually – we don't talk about it much, but um, – we contribute a lot of money to a nonprofit that we just started called Music Farming. Okay. So, so what we're into is, is music education, which is something I learned from Yvonne. And it was, it was another... Uh, Yvonne Chouinard. Yeah, um, Yvonne Chouinard. Folks, just somebody to Google. Yvonne Chouinard. Don't ask me to spell C-H-O-I-N-N-A-R-D, maybe. It's, um, Let My People Go yeah. Surfing is still just a, a... It was a pivotal book for me as a young man. Oh, cool. Uh, I was looking for my copy recently. Um, from 20-something years ago, and yeah. I couldn't find anything to give it away. But uh, Yvonne Chouinard's just a, a really inspirational person, mm-hmm. um, godfather of a friend of mine, Small World oh, cool. News. Um, and uh, anyway, sorry, got me well, excited. That's, yeah, Yvonne, so, so. Um, I was very fortunate to work closely with him. Um, and, you know, I wish I recorded most of our conversations, you know, traveling to go surf or whatever mm-hmm. about a Hollister ranch or, you know, down wherever we were surfing in uh, Ventura and stuff. But, um, I, I learned a lot about giving and, and from a corporation and, and, you know, it's something that it's not something that is a maybe it's something that you have to do. Mm-hmm. And it was another thing that didn't, like, I didn't really know what it was going to be until probably a year after we started the company. And then it was another thing that just hit me like square in the face, music education. Okay. Because it's, um, you know, it's being vaporized out of the public school system, Yep. you know, with the, with technology and phones and laptops and iPads, you know, kids are 
being pulled away from the arts and not just music. So it's, it's been, it's been fun. And it used to occur just within Caddis, but then it grew too fast. So I pulled it out of Caddis, got a group of like-minded people together, and we are launching this probably in two months. It's called musicfarming.org. Musicfarming.org? Yeah. Okay. So how does, how does the uh, music farming tie in with your NOLA frames? Well, we give, so the um, Jazz Preservation Hall has a nonprofit music education program that they do. Okay. And uh, New Orleans is music. I mean, so, I mean, it's the birthplace of a lot of what we know today, yeah. jazz. And that's why we just, you know, we're just giving a shout out. And we did, uh, in, we opened up a store in the West Village of New York mm-hmm. uh, on Christopher and Bleecker Street. Uh, so if you go there, the, there's the photo shoot was all done with members of the Jazz Preservation Hall, oh, cool. amongst other people that are in New Orleans. We just have uh, ties to music. And there's, the, there's other reasons too. So like, right. if you're older in life and you adopt and you start play, learning music, it's one of the best things you can do for your brain. Oh, really? So uh, to to battle onslaught of Alzheimer's and other uh, debilitating mental disease, it's the one thing that works. You like the dexterity in your hands, mm-hmm. uh, your ear. Um, it, it works everything at once. So, so you're saying I should I should get the banjo out of the closet sitting back there that I never touch. Uh, banjo. Is there anything else back there? That's the whole thing. That's the reason why I'm like, I just can't really like, yeah, no, I had my, no, I've got my clarinet still. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Dust off the clarinet. There you go. Yeah. Hey, speaking of, we already mentioned Fugazi, but they had a record where there's a lot of clarinet in there. So clarinet can be punk rock folks. Wow. Kenny G gone. (laughs) (laughs) Kenny G's cool again. Is he? Yeah. Okay. Is he? Oh yeah. Apparently Kenny G is like. Make everybody gets their moment again. You know, Fabio will have it. Wait and see. What makes you think he already hasn't? I don't know. I'm sorry if you have Fabio. <laughs> I didn't mean to. that. Was ageist of me, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. Yeah, jeez, not super nice. All right. Well, shout out to Fabio. <laughs> I'm gonna go buy one of his shirts. Won't fit me. That's really great. Getting in there, and it's got to feel good to have the the nonprofit arm again to make you feel like you know what you're doing is has extended value right? mm-hmm. to, to something that you're passionate about. Yeah. And you're also passionate about, I mean, a lot of stuff, music, yep. big part of your life, yep. um, surfing. Yeah. Do you surf? Yep. 30, you surf 40, 40 up years. in Northern California. That's, that's where I learned. Wow. Ocean you surf with the, with the, uh, with the great whites. I don't know. They tend to be down here now. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> Did you see that? video out of the guy the drone operator yes. showing all the great whites yeah just underneath all the surfers yep. and they're like they don't want to mess with you at all they're not interested no yeah you know it's something that if you grow up with it it doesn't it you don't really think about it all that much well if you did you probably wouldn't surf no exactly yeah. i mean i would scare the hell out of me i think the idea <laughs> although when you're out in the water i i don't i haven't in a while but uh I'm scuba certified and you just don't, you're just out there, right. you're in it, you don't worry about it. Uh, it's just a quiet, beautiful place to be. So you still surf? I do. That surf culture, how do you tie that? Do you tie that at all with, with Caddis? So one of our original founders is Donovan Frankenreiter and Lisa Anderson. So by design, yeah. Okay. It's definitely in there. Taylor Steele. So surf legends are, are part of the fabric. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh, coming out of those cultures, the skate, surf, music culture. Well, it's, it's lifestyle. Okay. So that's really, that's really the tangent, I believe. Okay. So in order to be an authentic lifestyle brand, like this is why we went after that taboo subject. I'm like, okay, no one's going to be touching this uh, because it's, it's poison. Right. Uh, and back then, which right. is ironic, now it's catching on. So if you'll, you'll see things start to pop up in mass media, you know, whether it be magazines, not, you know, putting older people on covers, mm-hmm. whether it be in music, um, like this whole thing is gaining momentum at a pretty good clip. Who is somebody, I know this is kind of a standard question, but I got to ask, who's somebody that if you woke up in the morning 
and you're scrolling through your Instagram. Oh, wait, you're over 50. You don't do Instagram. That's right. Um, <laughs> you're looking at your morning paper over a coffee and yeah. bourbon. Uh, who's in my slippers. Be, yeah. You open Instagram and you're just like stoked to see in your glasses. Like it's not something you paid them. You don't know them. Yeah. You know, they're just, you, it just pops up on your feed. Yeah. David Byrne. That would be great. Yeah. David Byrne's amazing. I ate at a table across from him last year in Mexico and he was at, at a music festival and he was just out there barefoot. Yeah. And so super approachable. I couldn't approach him because I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. You know, it's one of my all time, like kind of heroes, you know? And it's, it's, uh, like he achieves creativity in this three dimensional, you know, whether it be, you know, on Broadway, whether mm -hmm. it's, you know, making some of the most iconic music, mm -hmm. you know, the last hundred years, or it's, uh, you know, the collaborations that he does. I mean, he's just keeps moving. If you're under 40, David Byrne is a musician <laughs> and artist and writer and photographer, et cetera, et right. cetera. Um, use the Google and learn more about <laughs> Mr. David Byrne. Uh, great call, David Byrne. Uh, you ever look at a, a campaign by a big brand that just it makes you cringeworthy, face palm, like, God, they're just missing the boat on this? Oh, all the time. Yeah, so you, you have that. You yeah. have those. You, you're paying attention to that now. Yeah. Okay. Can you think of any like examples of just. Well, it's mainly in fashion. Okay. Or in beauty, I would say, is, is right. the bulk of it. Right. But yeah, it's, it's the majority. They're just missing the market completely. <clears throat> right? Great campaign, but you're not including. So, okay. I mean, we've all sat in you know, these meetings and you, and you architect out mm -hmm. like, the psychographics of you know, who's a core customer. Right. And you have, you know, you're segmented 19 to 25, 26 to 35. And, you know, so you, you put them into buckets and you're writing on the wall and you're defining them nine ways to the sun. Yep. And everyone has all this input. When it gets to 45 plus, average household income. That just goes up on the board. And like, whatever. Yeah. Whatever. And mind you, they're buying, you know, they're spending the money according to the statistics now. Right. And 7% of, of marketing dollars. And even worse than that is that in those rooms, you're actually excited, and I've been guilty of this, to see when, when that percentage shrinks and then the, the you know, 15 to 30 grows. You're like, oh, good, we're, we're relevant now, right. right? That's the whole thing. <laughs> we're relevant now because we're losing everybody over 45 and we're gaining them down low. That's God, it's not the best. It's not really a good way to think about it, is it? Well, no. And the way that we're thinking about it, you know, is it counterintuitive or is it now that we know the data, is it intuitive? Because as a culture, we can't get our head around marketing to 45 to 65 year olds or more 40 to 70, you know, we yeah. still can't get our head around it. I think it's both. It's both intuitive and counterintuitive in that it's clearly intuitive that you go where the market is, but we've also been conditioned, uh, cultures have been time immemorial to this dream of the fountain of youth that's right right and so it is also intuitive via conditioning mm -hmm. to think that what's younger is better that's right and all of this conversation folks isn't to malign anything younger because the spirit of youth is what drives my favorite music and what i'm still connected to some of my my, one of my all-time favorite bands out of Chicago is a band called Cap'n Jazz. They were 14, 15 when they were putting out their first and only record. And it just is so raw. Mm -hmm. uh, and, but to me, it's still, it taps into something that I'm actually afraid of ever losing. Because right. it's, it's, it's naive and wise in ways that can only come from that kind of youth. Right. Punk. Like, yeah, the, it's like, it, it know, that's, that's, a, that's by definition, the punk movement of the 80s. So, I mean, we can have it all. Yeah. We can retain all those selves, right. you know, in our lives. We don't have to say old people are out of touch or young people just don't know. It's, it can be both true and awesome. It's funny because what you're talking about is multi-generational conversations. Mm -hmm. Which we suck at. Yes. Terrible. We're because, terrible Because at we it. put people in the buckets. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, you're a millennial. You you don't you don't get it. Uh, oh, you're a baby boomer. Like like okay boomer. Mm -hmm. You don't yeah. get it. There's there's work to be done there. There is. Are you hearing this, Justice? My my 19 year old son who said okay boomer to me all the time. Are you hearing this? There's work to be done. On these, no, he's wonderful. Our communication's great, but it it is a true point. Well, but that's a great. I mean, I have kids also. So uh, 20 and 28. 
man, how many verbal landmines do I step in um, constantly when they, they both live in New York City? And when I'm out to dinner with them and their friends, like I get the dad, like dad, and you know, I'm like, oh, can't, like, okay, right, right. got it, yeah. <laughs> noted. <laughs> and it's also, you know, probably a good number of their their comments are probably accurate. You know, we do. Of have course, to learn it's accurate. And yeah, and adjust and totally. Our, we're kind of an inappropriate demographic. Okay. So <laughs> as you get older, yeah. this is like by definition, we become entrenched in our beliefs. Yeah. So then we come entrenched in, you know outdated language, outdated um, beliefs, like all these things. So we need that interaction to update the hard drive mm -hmm. of what is, um, of like just how to move forward in, and this, we need to, in this world. We need to learn how to listen so much better. Totally. And everybody says it, you need to listen. I, and everybody, we all think that we're good listeners, but are we really? You know, because deep listening requires no, I don't, no. <laughs> it requires understanding where the other person is really coming from, what they're conditioning mm -hmm. from. If they're if they vote for somebody different than you, if they have a different worldview that you mm -hmm. might find to be hateful or spiteful, you know, and it may be hateful or spiteful, but listening to them so you know what happened to them to make them that way, mm -hmm. it's super important and it's hard work. And and a lot of us are tired of doing it, right? right? Like, I ain't doing that anymore. That's their problem and, and screw them. That's a bummer. You yeah. Know, it well, that's, is a bummer. That's, a, that's a sign of aging incorrectly. Yeah. On both sides. Yeah. You know, on both sides, we have to keep staying open. And it's just like being mm -hmm. in, a, in a relationship. Like you say, what, you're going to close your heart off so you can't find love? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like you're going to close your ears off. You're never going to convert the other side. Nope. You're just going to be entrenched and we've got to do the work big time. Shifting gears, because I have a brand advice question for you. It might be a little near and dear to me. What would you say to, with your expertise, you've been in a lot of these rooms with, with charts and demographics and things like that and words like Series A and VC and yeah. blah, blah, blah. I'm breaking out in hives. Stop. Hellish. I know. I was just getting all nervous and <laughs> shaking. It's awkward. But what would you say to small, scrappy brands that are looking to collaborate with much larger brands when all they really have to offer and you probably went through this is strong core value alignment right and I, i'm trying to think of uh, a good example so you know like something like super nice club mm -hmm. and uh maybe caddis or patagonia like what can a super nice club bring to the table you know when you don't have instagram followers or you don't have a budget how do up and coming brands and people who are listening and trying to do that, how do they, how can you do a better job of, of partnering with people that are in whole different categories than you? So this is what I didn't have prior to that meeting where I was told I can't do this mm -hmm. uh, because of, we were talking about age. Yeah. So, which is exactly why I was hesitant because what you just described, I didn't have that. And I didn't know that you know, like I said, it's in hindsight. So right. like, I wasn't, it was subconscious. Like something wasn't right. I didn't know, wasn't smart enough to really put my finger on it. But you have to have a badass why. Mm -hmm. And at that point, it doesn't matter what your size is. And that's hard for, I think, new entrepreneurs who are getting into the game. They're like, oh, well, no one's going to listen to me because of X, Y, and Z. Right. That's not true. But think it through. Like you can't just have great product anymore, right? Because people are you know five clicks away from being able to source great product. Uh, you have to have um, just a truly um, thoughtful idea. Yeah, no, I, I agree, and it's it's such an important thing for folks to wrap their head around. And you you heard Tim's story here, and I'm sure you can you can just see Tim's got really very little money to invest, but all of a sudden, boom, he's like, oh, we're gonna push hard against this. We're gonna be the anti-anti-aging brand. And now he can go to somebody who is 100 times bigger. Actually, when he's, when he's nascent and hasn't launched, everybody's infinitely bigger. He has zero income, so anybody with $5 income is infinitely bigger. Right. But they're like, oh, yes, that resonates with me. I want to be part of the anti-anti-aging movement. That's right. So we'll do something with you. Hell yeah. Because your <clears throat> beautiful idea, we get that's a halo for us now. That's right. Right? And that is what helps you leapfrog boom, boom, boom. 
So and, when we, okay, so yeah. let me just stop you yeah. there because there's a great example of this. Okay. So when we put the language on the packaging, we put the language on the website of what we are truly trying to do. Like Katie Couric is trying to get a hold of us and some of her emails are going like into some spam folder oh. and I'm down in Mexico, my phone rings and my cell phone and uh, she's like, Tim? I go, yeah. Tim Parr. I go, yes. Katie Couric here. She goes, what are you doing? And tell me all about it. And where did you come from? And I want to be a part of it. Oh, fantastic. So it's, it's a perfect example of great ideas win. And um, maybe ours is currently good. Right. You know, and we'll get to great somewhere in life. But um, it was good enough where she, like, personally was combing, you know, the internet for phone numbers and, and whatever and got a hold of me um, and said, like, okay, let, let, let's, let's, let's do something. And it was because of your anti anti aging. Yes. And it just resonated with her personally. <clears throat> totally. Yeah. And she's like, I feel like this is happening in the universe and you guys are on the front end of it. And what can we do together? Well, that's what got me excited too. Is I didn't get it when uh, Super Nice Club, my partner in uh, Nice, John Capone, came to me and told me about. I'd heard of the brand. I didn't quite, you know, hadn't paid any attention, to be honest. Hadn't paid any attention to it. But then when he told me about it and I looked at it, it was this, oh, that's the super nice connection. This anti-anti-aging, that's part of a nicer world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I just, I just, uh, I get so excited about that, mm -hmm. that, that particular part of it. The ability for a brand, a small brand, a passionate person, forget the brand, a passionate person with a really, not a great idea necessarily, but a beautiful ideal. Mm -hmm. That's what takes things from you know good to great or whatever. That's well, and it's also it's a, it's the measuring stick to authenticity. Yeah. So is this a really and you're you know it's something that you were dealing with like how how do you position your brand as not another life is good? Right. Yeah. And there's no slagging life is good. They did a great job. Those mm -hmm. brothers you know kicked butt. Where is it now? Ah, uh, they they actually they actually rebounded. They were going way down, and then they so went. So life to, wasn't good for a while. Well, from what I, from, <laughs> yeah, from what I learned about life is good. They their sales were down, but they went to basically print on demand because the technology has changed so much. So their cost of goods went way down because they were able to bring in those machines in house. So their margins skyrocketed, and they just started churning out thousands of designs. Basically, weirdly, wasn't really aware of life is good when I started Super Nice Club either until somebody pointed it out to me and like, how could you not have been aware of that brand? I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that brand. It wasn't part of my circle. And it was also, it felt to me like a bit of a, like bragging, you know, life is good. Like I've got, I'm on the golf course and I'm sipping a margarita. It could be tone deaf. It, I think it is now, right? <laughs> it it is be, now. Yeah. And plus, honestly, there wasn't a point where I really could have said that. I had kind of a, it was, it was a little rough for, you know, uh, uh, I'm admittedly a white male, so it wasn't that rough, but it was for me. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't have said life is good. I'm like, God, this is tough stuff, you know? But super nice isn't that. It's more like, hey, we need to advocate for whatever nicer world looks like to you, right? Provided that that's, you know, uh, something where the, your larger community benefits as well. Right. right? There's, it's not just your personal, but it, a lot of it starts with your, your own personal work. Like, what yep. do you need to do to be a nicer person? For me, it's listening skills, right? Uh, and patience it's responding and not reacting mm -hmm. that's that's a, a life lesson for me that's just hard especially in traffic and i have to remember i've got a super nice club sticker on my car so i can't you know flip that person <laughs> off you know um but it is it's these little moments that would that not be made. on brand it wouldn't be on brand right yeah that's so important to me uh oh when you know when you get frustrated wearing one of these hats and you're like in person like yeah, let me just turn it around real quick and now I'm going to go off on you. Um, but your community, what you just said, community. Yeah. That's the marketing. That's what Tim does. Right. It's not about the icon graphics and this. It's This is a community. More people keep opting in. Yeah, exactly. Speaking to encourage. And it's so fun to build a community and yes. to be part of a community, especially when somebody that you... Uh, wouldn't have any other way of getting to know that's strangers it's um maybe your favorite musician or mm -hmm. artist or things that you know people that we come into contact with and like yeah i've always been part of your community 
we just never met before. That's right. And it's really gratifying. And it can, like I'm someone who can have a dim view of humanity at times. I think a lot of us can. Because you these know, days, yeah. humans are, are complicated. Mm-hmm. You know, we are complicated. Uh, doing something like this really can make you feel like, oh, you know what? I'm part of something and I'm proud of it. And I can, as a parent, I can feel like, uh, I can look my kids in the eye and like, you know, I'm, I think I'm, I think I'm on my way to contributing. Yeah. You know, and that's so important. Do you feel that way? I do. And, uh, more importantly than how I feel about it, like our customers project back to us Mm -hmm. that they get that. Like, and they're, they're part of, and we say on our website, mm-hmm. like we pull it like straight up. We have big bold text along the bottom that says we're a cult, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and, you know, join us and put your email address in here and people, they get, they get what we're doing. Yeah. And as a marketer uh, or a brand person, or um, even if, if you're in the product, like in the early days, we would send our messages out. And <clears throat> I remember right the very first year, we'd get these um, Instagram people. To, because of our products on our face, you get mm-hmm. a lot of selfies and a lot of right. people commenting on them. And this, I, I'll never forget this one woman you know, took a selfie of one of those original pairs and says, I guess aging is cool now. I'm yeah. like, done. Yeah. You like, just, done. You won. You won. Yeah. <laughs> but it, there was really like that moment of like, because all you do is send the signals out. Yeah. And you don't know if they're being received or how they're being received until they start coming back. And when it starts coming back, like, it was just like, wow. It is the best feeling. Is- and I'll get those emails from people too, or texts, just like, you know, you really did this thing that made my day and whatever. Like, it feels so good. And I will, folks, you may not know this, but speaking of cults, um, <laughs> I, I, we do have super nice cult dot com reserved uh so uh you know it's it's a true story super nice cult is also uh one of our urls it will be, is it really it is that's yeah. great yeah, it's, it's gonna be a thing someday a merch a merch line one of these days so we we wrap these podcasts and i could talk to you for hours um and i hope to get to talk to you again in the future um same we do two things the first is uh our guests get to issue a challenge uh the be nice challenge to the listener something that the listener can do in, uh, in their life to just make their world or their community a little bit nicer. You know, it could be something like people have done things like um, be a better listener or meditate or, you know, write a letter to a friend, whatever. Mm-hmm. Just something small that people can do. Mm-hmm. Do you have any kind of challenge that you can throw out there for the, the listeners and members of the club? I would keep it like in our age vein. Mm-hmm. And I would say, um, I mean, one of the things that I think the problem right now is... Um, we're just, we just shut down as someone's point of view is different than our own. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's just a hard no, you know, like, Oh, you're not part of my tribe. Right. And like, as marketers, we talk about tribes all the time. Well, there's also some negativity around that word, you know, because you start to get more insulated. You, it's an echo chamber and, um, you stay there. Yeah. So, I would say the challenge is to, um, and you touched upon it, is in that listening bracket, uh, listen to people that don't aren't the same age as you, and see what they're saying. Yeah, have a conversation with them. That's right. That, I love that. Here's a, this is something I haven't done yet, but I'm going to accept the challenge. I'm going to do it like this because it's something that uh, Sandra and I were talking about recently, which was, and it might come across creepy. I'm not sure, but. <laughs> When we're out and we see like a younger crew, whether it's a couple or, you know, three dudes hanging out, whatever, go up to them and say, hey, can we take you out to lunch and just pick your brain? Just talk about whatever you're into, you know, Um, and it's for that exact reason. Just like what, what did, you know, three 23 year olds in uh, uh, downtown LA, what are they up to? What are they all about? The, The way to learn it is by sitting down and talking with them. Right. Well, here's the big share. And I think there's something to what you're saying, although kind of creepy. Yeah. So, uh, and, uh, my friend Jeff Hamui, uh, presented this to me. He works with Chip Connolly down yeah. in, um, psychographic master down in, uh, Baja at the modern elder Academy. And he said, um, 
you know, us being older, we can share EQ. Them being younger, they can share IQ. And why don't we have a conversation where we share EQ, they share IQ, and we start breaking down those walls? That's a good frame. Yeah. yeah, that is a good way to frame it to, to, but you know what? The younger people wouldn't get it because they're just not <laughs> smart enough. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if I approach them. I mean, what are you talking about, bro? Um, yeah, it's, and then, then we, we wrap this. Shelby's giving us we, the. We wrap this with. The, uh, the, uh, the rodeo finger, we call guest, that. The guest gets to, uh, has the, the great honor of asking me one question, any question. So you get to be the host for a question, and I'll, uh, I'll answer it straight out, no editing, boom. What would you tell your 35 year old self? I would tell my 35 year old self. Um, or 30. Or 30. Let's see, that was, I was 30 in what, 1961? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wouldn't give my 30-year-old self any financial advice because that would be a terrible idea. Like, hey, go buy Bitcoin or whatever. That would ruin me. That would ruin you. Right? Mm -hmm. um, I agree. I think I would just say, hey, stay patient. You know, you're on the right path. Um, when I was, my whole life, I have kind of thought, oh, I'm going to take my, I'm going to be a writer, which I've done for years, but I'm going to do it more seriously when I'm older, once I'm old enough to have some life experience. Right. And I've uh, always kind of known that I was going to sort of uh, come into my own slowly, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I can't really describe it, but I've always had confidence that I wasn't that it, I was going to get there, mm -hmm. you know, over time. And I would just say, you're on the right path. You know, that's what I would. I'm pretty sure that's what I would tell myself. That's perfect. Yeah. Uh, and be be a little nicer to justice when he's you know a baby and even kid. Don't be such a dick to your kid sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard being a parent sometimes. You're just mean, you know. Um, sorry, justice. Really, yeah. I, I didn't, you know, I just get grouchy. No, that sounds terrible. It wasn't like that. Uh, yeah. Well, thanks. I really appreciate it, Tim. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being here, Shelby. Mm -hmm. Yes. Shelby Mead, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. Shelby Mead. And uh, uh, I just look forward to seeing what you're up to. Uh, I'm going to, when you get the, um, the uh, made to order, definitely going to make to order some rose colored, super nice, even if I have to spray paint them and stencil my letters on the top. They'll be there. I'll get involved with that. Uh, so everybody, uh, in the show notes, we have a link to everything that Tim is up to, uh, social, all that kind of stuff. So get behind it. Uh, and again, if you just can't read like you used to in dim light, I think I think you're one of Tim's customers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Thanks. Welcome to the Super Nice Club. Thank you. Both of you. Thanks for having me. So there you have it. Another super nice conversation with another super nice guest, Tim Parr. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope that resonated with you. You know, this talk of anti-anti-aging. Uh, but before I forget, let's get you a discount code if you're interested in, because you are interested in getting a pair of Caddis Eye appliances. Yeah? All right. It's easy. You just go to the website, Caddis is Life. It's in the show notes, uh, .com, and enter your code, SuperNice10. That's uh, one zero. SuperNice10. 10% off everything on the site. It's valid, I think, until March 15th, so don't delay. Just go and get your glasses now. Seriously, like, I, let's just be honest. Your night vision is fading. I'm projecting a little bit here, but still. Your night vision is fading, and you need some glasses that don't look like you got them at, uh, you know, Rite Aid or Warby Parker. <laughs> Another Warby Parker dig there. Sorry, couldn't, couldn't resist it. Okay, uh, let's see here. You know... As peppy and nice and cheery as I sound, uh, the situation in the Ukraine is going on right now. So it's hard to, to really feel like the world is getting nicer. You know, supposed leaders continually act with less EQ and, and IQ than our kids do, which is just a big reminder that, that uh, people like Putin, Biden, and the rest of them, they aren't the leaders, folks. We are. We are now and we always will be. So if we want the world to be a nicer place, it's on us. No more hand-wringing, no more pretending that going to the ballot box once every four years is civic duty, right? That, that resonates, that makes the world much different. No, 
stand up, step up, and demand a nicer world. That's what we have to do by every means necessary. All right, I love you all. Until the next episode in two weeks, stay nice. So what? Big deal.